You're listening to The Riverwalk, the preaching ministry of Beth River Baptist Church in Winsboro, Louisiana. Today we're going to look at the seven woes, the seven woes Jesus mentioned in Matthew chapter 23. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy. If you have a Bible this morning, I'd like you to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. Today is a Special weekend for a couple of reasons. For us, it's the first Sunday of a new church year. Fall's about to begin. It's also Labor Day weekend. Tomorrow is just a three-day weekend. Tomorrow's Labor Day when we get off and we celebrate the American worker. I can't help but think about Jesus' words when he said, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Jesus saying, Hey, good help is hard to find. There's all kinds of of people out there that need Jesus, but very few people are willing to take up the cross and follow him to the people. I've been praying and praying and praying about the sermon to preach going into this new church year. And I just, I keep coming back to this idea in Matthew chapter 23. And I don't know, I mean, I'm relatively young, I guess, but I I know that I've never preached a message from Matthew chapter 23, and I don't think that I've ever heard a sermon preached from Matthew 23, at least not the whole chapter. So I'm going to break this up into two sermons, the first being today, and in this chapter, it's what I call, or what many call, the seven woes, the seven woes to the scribes and the Pharisees. You know, we talk about laborers, and we talk about workers, we think about leaders, and the thing about leaders, leaders have to make hard decisions, right? Like our governor, our president, our congressmen. And I don't expect, as an American or as a worker, I don't expect to agree with every decision a leader makes. I don't expect that. We're humans. I'm going to disagree with Governor Edwards, and I'm going to disagree with President Trump on some things. I'm human. We're not going to agree on everything. But what I do expect... What I do expect is if he or she takes a position and they make a rule for me, I expect them to follow the same position, right? I mean, I think that's pretty common. I think that's a pretty reasonable thing to expect. Well, this last week, this last week, our Speaker of the House of Representatives, she got caught on video going into a salon without a mask and salons in her district are supposed to be closed. She did something that was wrong, something that she has preached against. She said that what she wanted to do was okay. In other words, good for me, but not good for thee. It's the spirit of hypocrisy. And I'm not picking on Nancy Pelosi because the truth is I believe they all do it. I believe every politician does it, Republican and Democrat, and it just stinks. It stinks that they have one sort of set of rules and they expect us to follow another. And so I want to look at that this morning, and Jesus talks about that when the people, the Pharisees and the scribes, and he goes through seven things of how they're saying one thing and doing something else. And I want to talk about this because the truth is we always talk, we always talk ever since I was a little boy about Jesus' kind and reaffirming words. But I want to share with you there was times in Jesus' earthly ministry Where Jesus was anything but kind and reaffirming. There were times when Jesus was brutally honest. I want to tell you, just just for a minute this morning, stop right there and I want you to understand that. That does not mean that Jesus didn't love these people. That does not mean that Jesus was, was mean necessarily. It just means that Jesus was honest. 
And listen, sometimes the truth hurts. And while we like to think that Jesus is always reaffirming and kind, Jesus is always truthful above all else. And like I said, sometimes the truth hurts. Sometimes Jesus is just brutally, brutally honest, and that's never changed. And he's going to call out problems in individuals when he sees it. He always is. He's not going to tolerate something in somebody's life that's not supposed to be there. He's not going to say, well, it's okay, Kevin. Everybody sins and falls short. He might start like that. He might say, everybody sins and falls short, but you need to get this out of your life. It don't belong there. And here's the thing, when you really examine the life of Jesus, it seems to me that Jesus is more patient and he's more kind to those that don't know him. Think of the woman at the well. Think about when the Pharisees met with the, the lady caught in adultery. He said, which one of you haven't sinned? But those that have been exposed to the truth, those that should know better, just like me and you that are here at church on this Sunday morning, Jesus gets harsh. His tone seems different with a certain group of people, the religious people. Like I said, he's patient with the woman at the well, but the people that claim to know God, the people that claim to know the Scripture, he's harsh. And it sounds unfair, but let me ask you a question. What, what, what else would you expect? I mean, of course, he's going to be more, more honest and more open, more harsh with the people that should know better. And it's the same today. And the sad truth is that many of us as believers, many of us, we try to avoid Jesus. Because Jesus, the Holy Spirit, he's not going to tolerate things in our lives that don't belong there. He's going to point it out. He's going to convict you of some things. And he's going to give you the chance to remove what's not supposed to be there. And you can try. You can try to avoid Jesus. But he's not going to avoid you. He's going to give you a chance to be the man or the woman he wants you to be. What do I mean by that? A lot of times you see people be baptized or people join a church. And then things start happening. And then they have a Holy Spirit inside them that says, Hey, you should do this or you shouldn't do that. And that spirit is uncomfortable. And you could just deal with the uncomfortability of it, I guess you could say. Or you could just submit and say, Okay, God, wherever you lead, I'll go. So that brings me to Matthew chapter 23. Now what you need to know about this, Jesus has been preaching the kingdom of God is at hand for three years. He has already came in on that donkey on Palm Sunday. It's in between Palm Sunday and the Last Supper. Jesus' time is running short. And here Jesus seems to have just had enough. So he lets this hard-hitting, toe-stomping truth fly. No holding back. He tells the religious folks, the most religious people of the day, seven things, seven woes, how they're messing it up. And it infuriates, it infuriates the scribes and the Pharisees. And I know that because in a matter of days, they have Jesus Christ, the Son of God, crucified. crucified. But even knowing the future, even knowing the results from his tone, even knowing the results from speaking the truth, it does not stop Jesus from speaking the truth. So like I said, I'm going to split this in half. We're going to go through the first three this morning. So let's start in Matthew chapter 23, verse 1. And let's read to verse um, 13. It says, Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples. So notice, he's not just 
talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to the multitudes. Everybody's around hearing this. He calls them out in front of everybody. He says, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not do according to their works. For they say and do not do. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their philosophies broad and enlarge the borders of their garment. They love the best places at feasts, the best seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplaces, and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But you do not be called Rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all brethren. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. And do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. That's his way of introduction. Now I want you to notice right off the bat in verse 3, he says, well, in verse, in verse 2, he gives them the due respect they deserve. He said, they sit in Moses' seat. But then he says, therefore, whatever they tell you to do, observe and do, but do not do according to their works. Right off the bat, he calls them out. He says, whatever they're telling you to do, do. But don't do as they're living. Don't, don't follow their example. Follow their words, not their example. And see, church, let me just tell you, especially as a pastor, but even as a Christian, I don't want to be looked at like this. Wouldn't you hate, 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 hate Jesus to look at your life and to say, Hey, look at Brother Kevin. Do as he's preaching. Do like that sermon he says, but like he's living, don't do that. Don't do what he's saying. Don't do what he's doing. Do what he's saying. I would hate to be looked at like that. But I'm very, very, very afraid that that may be the very thing he says about the 2020 Christian. I'm very afraid that might be what he says about the 2020 pastor. And Jesus explains what he means in the following verses. But he's talking about working. These were the religious leaders. These are the people that are supposed to be working, laboring for the kingdom of God. So let's go through these first three. The first is found in verse 13 and 14. And these are two, but it's, he says it twice, but it's one woe. In some of your Bibles, it will only say, say it one time. In some of the newer translations... But in verse 13, he says, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense makes long prayers, therefore you will receive a greater condemnation. A horrible, horrible condemnation right off the bat. Woe to you! Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. You're shutting up the kingdom of heaven. And you're not going in it either. You're keeping people from going into heaven. What it boils down to, they taught about God. They knew about God. They had a biblical wisdom unlike anybody else. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, they taught about God. They knew about God. But they did not love God. They didn't love him. How do we do that today? How might I be doing that today? Making long prayers and doing all sorts of things in the name of God. 
but he's standing right in front of you and you don't even know it. That's basically what Jesus was saying. Three years I've been going here in front of you Pharisees. Three years I've been healing people. I've been healing the blind. I've even been raising the dead. I've taught you. I've been doing my best. And you know everything about God. And he is standing right here in front of you. And you don't even see it. Woe to you. And it happens today in 2022. People all over the world, they come to church. They have a habit of coming to church. They have a habit of singing the songs. They make long prayers that sound beautiful. But they don't have a love for Jesus because they don't know Jesus. That was the deal with the Pharisees. They abuse God. They use God for power and profit. Devouring widows' houses. And the way that used to work back in the day, the, the widows, they didn't have equal rights. Women didn't. So when they lost a husband, they had to find somebody to come in and take care of their estate. So they'd go to the religious people, the people that were supposed to have their best interest at heart. And they would go in and they would take the widow's money and they would just abuse it, not showing the love of God at all. And that's what they did. So church, just let me share with you this morning. Coming to church, coming to vacation Bible school, Sunday school, watching online, listening to the podcast. That's all great. That's all great and I hope you do it. But that does not mean, that does not mean you have a relationship with God. Now listen, this... This is going to get a little deep this morning, just a little deep, but I really want you to listen and let me try my best to explain myself. We're talking about working for the kingdom. We're talking about being a laborer for Christ. These Pharisees, they were working for God. But here's my question to us this morning. Many of us are working. Are you working because of grace or for grace? Are you working because of grace or for grace? How you answer that question makes the difference in eternity. Working for grace. Working for grace makes you a hypocrite. That's basically what these Pharisees were doing. Working for grace makes you a hypocrite. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, if you're working, if you're coming to church, if you're coming to Sunday school, if you're reading your Bible every day, and you're working, hoping those works get you into heaven... That's basically saying, well, Jesus, you didn't do enough. Jesus, you didn't, the, the sacrifice on the cross wasn't enough for me. That's basically saying, I could do it by myself. And that's, that's reading the Bible and not believing it. That's hypocrisy. But, but let me throw a but in there. But not working because of grace makes you a hypocrite as well. It's a fine line. Because if you have that amazing grace, that wonderful grace, if you, have, if you really, really believe with all your heart that Jesus came, bled, and died on an old rugged cross for you, and you don't do nothing for him, if you're not a laborer for Christ, if you really believe that, and you believe he gave his all for you, and you give nothing back to him, well, what do you think Jesus would say to that? What do you think Jesus would look down at your life, and he would say, man... I see you're doing a whole lot for your boss. I see you're doing a whole lot even for your church. But I don't see you doing anything for me. I've done everything for you and I don't see you doing anything for me. Oh, church, that makes us, that makes us hypocrites not having a love for God. We give our love and we give our lives because of what Christ did for us. That's what true, true love is for Christ. Listen, church. 
the, the problem with these Pharisees, and it's the problem with most of us today, most of America today, I'd say, is you can't love God if you've never experienced God's love. You can't have a supernatural love for a supernatural being if you've never accepted a supernatural love from a supernatural being. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Look at this and don't get the woe from Jesus. Don't let him say woe to you. Let him say good job by showing your love for him, by living for him, and by dying for him every day. That's the first condemnation. And then in 15, verse 15, he goes on and you see the second one, the second of seven. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte. And when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. They preached God and they traveled great distances apparently to get people into Judaism. They were doing well to get people to follow religion. But they were converting people to religion instead of converting people into a relationship. That's the saddest thing in the world to me. And I see that today too. They were doing well to get people to follow a religion. But they were following a religion and not following God. So church, let me ask you something. Are you following? Who are you following? We're all following somebody. Are you following you? Are you following the church? Are you following the pastor? Are you following the boss? Are you following the parents? Or are you following Jesus? There's only one answer that's right. There's only one answer that Jesus is looking for, and it's following him. Proselyting. Trying to win people over. And once again, I highly encourage you to do this in this new church year. Bring people to church. Bring people to Bible study. Bring people to Wednesday night. But none of that, none of that's bringing people to Jesus. You're bringing people to hear about Jesus, and that's great, but don't confuse that. Don't confuse the two. Are you converting people to religion, or are you converting people to Jesus? Who or what are you following? They were hypocrites because they were following the wrong things. Oh, this year, this, this new year, this 2020-2021 church year, let's be careful to follow Jesus and not follow religion. And then in verse 16, you see the third, the third woe. And this one, once again, it seems kind of deep, but I'm going to try to make it easy for you to understand. He says, Woe to you blind gods who say, Whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind. For which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gift that is on it, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and by all things on it. He who swears by the temple swears by it and him who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. There's a whole lot in that, but let me just tell you what basically was happening. They were saying the word's not binding, but the gift was. They cared more about the gift than about the giver. Here, Jesus does not call them hypocrites. And I think this is probably the situation most of us fall into. We're here this morning. Most of us practice our religion. I, I mean, I've really, really seen that. Just like Tricia said this morning, I, I saw it at, at Pat's funeral this week. We, we, we practice what we preach for the most part. And Jesus didn't call them hypocrites here. He called them blind gods. 
You call them blind. They were blind because they somehow thought that, that gold was more valuable than the temple it was sanctified on. What he's basically saying, he says, hey, you guys, woe to you because you're blind and you're backwards. You're blind and you're backwards. You've got all this mixed up. Everything I've been preaching, everything you've been learning, you've got it all totally backwards. And listen, I, I get in trouble with this too because sometimes I get things backwards. Well, what do you mean? Well, let me just tell you a few things. We get backwards and we get blind today. Sometimes we seem to think that God doesn't care about our lives. That God cares more about somebody else. Listen, that's backwards and that's blind. Jesus cares about you. Jesus loves you so very much. God cares as much about you as anyone else. He cares as much about Beth River Baptist Church as any church in Franklin Parish or is in the world. He cares as much about Kevin Goodman as he did about Saul of Tarsus. He cares about you. Don't get blind and don't get backwards. Don't think that, that you can't accomplish what these people accomplish in the Bible. Don't think you're going to go through life without pain, without sorrow. And don't think you're going to go through life alone. That's being blind and that's being backwards. Don't think a life with Jesus is somehow more lonely than a life without him. Don't think a life without Jesus isn't fun. That's blind and that's backwards. Don't think that giving up your old life is somehow a huge sacrifice to follow Jesus. That's not a sacrifice. That's something wonderful. We get blind and we get backwards today. And man, I see this so often. We fall in love with our possessions. And we somehow think that our possessions are our own. That's kind of the same thing that was happening here. They were in love with that gold that people were swearing by. And here it, here it is today in 2020. We love our possessions. We work hard for them and there's nothing wrong with that. But our possessions aren't ours. We're not carrying it with us. Everything we accumulate belongs to God, so we should give freely. We get blind and we get backwards today to think that God doesn't care about our gifts or God doesn't care about our offerings. Make no mistake about it. God cares as much about the, the child bringing a dollar to vacation Bible school as he does about the rich man putting $100,000 in the license plate. Don't be blind and don't be backwards. God cares more about your gifts than, than you think. We get blind and we get backwards when we think one gift's greater than another. And I think about this a lot. We get blind and we get backwards today when we try to humanize God's kingdom. We try to humanize God's kingdom. And we do this in so many several different ways. We try to, to run the church like we run a business. We try to think about things. We try to get teachers that, that know the most. And we try to get pastors that have the biggest degrees. And we try to get music leaders that have the most experience. But listen, that's, that's humanizing God's kingdom. Let me tell you something. If you feel led to lead a song one Sunday, lead a song one Sunday. If you feel led to get up here and play the guitar, play the guitar. If you feel led to preach a sermon, well, I encourage you to get up here and preach a sermon. I'm not going to humanize God's kingdom. I don't call pastors. Seminaries don't call pastors. God calls pastors. I don't call missionaries. God calls missionaries. I don't call music leaders. God calls music leaders. Listen, God's got a purpose for you. And don't humanize that thinking that you're, you're not qualified because God doesn't, God doesn't always call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Understand this morning, there's no little gift there's no little service in God's eyes and God's eyes are so different than our own as we meet next week we'll go through these 
But I just want to ask the question this morning, as we get ready to start this new church year, as our families watch us, as our co-workers watch us, and most, most, most importantly, as Jesus Christ watches us, what would Jesus say to you? What would he say to me? That's a question that we've got to ask ourselves. What would Jesus say to you if Jesus was talking to you in front of the multitudes? Would he say woe to you or would he say good for you? Now let me say this this morning. He doesn't say woe to you because you're not perfect. Jesus does not expect hypocrites to be perfect. As a matter of fact, if anybody in here says that I'm perfect and I don't sin, well, hypocrite because the Bible says thou shalt not lie and you just did it. Not being perfect does not make you a hypocrite. But believing in the Bible and not following it, believing in Jesus and not following Him, working for grace and not working because of grace, all these little things that we don't think is a big deal. Listen, Jesus saw it in these religious leaders and he said it is a big deal. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, even though, even though this little speech, this little sermon, these seven things Jesus said, even though they, they seemed harsh, even though it cut them to the heart, and even though ultimately it had a big part in having Jesus crucified, Jesus still loved the Pharisees. Jesus still loved the hypocrites. Jesus still loved the blind and the backwards. Jesus still loved them. And he loved them enough to tell them the truth. He loved them enough to die for them on an old rugged cross. Listen, I just want to tell you, I don't know. I don't know your situation. I don't know where you fall into this. But I know on some level, we all fall into traps like this sometimes. We all get to a position where we say one thing and we're doing something else. And that's okay because we're human, but what's not okay is to keep going that direction. What we need to do is stop, go back, get right, and move on. And people see that. People respect that. People were angry as they could be this week, and rightly so. I can't believe that, that the Speaker of the House thought she'd get away with that. She got caught on camera doing something that she said was not okay. But listen, rightly or wrongly, there's a camera on all of our lives. There's a camera. If you're a Christian, people are watching how you talk. People are watching how you walk. They're watching how you treat your friends. They're watching how you treat your enemies. They're watching where you're at on Sunday. They're watching where you're at on Monday. So what would your friends say about you? What would Jesus say about you? Listen, I want... I want this church to grow, and I want this the best things for this church, but it's only going to happen when we walk the walk instead of just talk the talk. So let's start. Let's start off September 2020 by walking the walk and not just talking the talk. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the message, and I hope you guys have a great week. I hope you'll remember to look at things through Jesus' eyes and not be a hypocrite and don't be blind and backwards.